say you love me. It doesn't matter. It goes into my head as just chit-chatter. You may think it's egotistical or just very free, but what you say, I take none of it seriously. And even if I did, I wouldn't tell you so. I'd let you pretend to read me, and then you'd know. Because I hate when one attempts to analyze. In fact, I despise those who even try to look into my eyes to see what I am thinking. That dream is over. Yeah, y'all is sinking. I tell all of you like I told all of them. What you say to me is just paper thin. Try to play a man out I take the money in again Then break the hell out No, that's not my strategy Not the game I play I admit I play a game But it's not done that way Truly when I get involved I give it my heart I mean my mama sold my body I mean every part But if it doesn't work out Yo, it just doesn't It wasn't meant to be, you know It just wasn't So I treat all of you Like I treat all of them And what you say to me Is still paper thin In one ear And right out the other Herders mumble jumble Lover, I don't pay attention, I don't concentrate. You ain't got the bait that it takes to hook this. <laughs> Sucker, you missed. I put feelings aside. I know who I am. My name is Light. Is your name Sam? Cause if it is, step off, grab your coat and get lost. Wrap your scarf around your throat and go back and catch the boat and hit the road, Sam. Don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. Hit the road, Sam. Don't you come back no more. So now I take precautions when choosing my mate. I do not touch. Until the third or fourth date, then maybe we'll kiss on the fifth or sixth time that we meet. Because a date without a kiss is so incomplete. And then maybe I'll let you play with my feet. You can suck the big toe and play with the middle. It's so simple, unlike a riddle. It's as easy as counting a one, two, three. In other terms, letters L-Y-T-E. I'll tell you, 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 and all of you in the back and in the middle and the front. Yo, that's it. Paper for thin. Word up. So like checking out. DJ K Rock in the place to be. tell you and explain them all to you i met this dude with the name of a hat i didn't even walk away i didn't give him no rap but then he got real mad and he got a little tired if he worked for me you know he would be fired he was a kango and that is true but he ain't got no money and he ain't got no loot and every time that i see him he's always a begging and all the other girls that he's always trying to leg it every time that i see him he says i'm wrong but compared to me they're weak compared to mine and every time that i know that i am saying something fresher in any category 
contest, and everybody knows I will win the contest. Then after that, came the educated rapper. His fingers start to snap her, and my hands start to clap her. Every time that I see her, everything he say, he rock her to the beat her, and he come up this way. He said, oh, yeah, you know your mother's, her name is Mary. And from what I heard, your father is a fairy. But every time I see him, I'm saying something new. But let me explain to him what he should do. He should be like me, a flying MC. Don't never have to bite, we'll always write. I have the freshest rhymes that I do recite. And after that, and you know it's true. But let me tell you something else about the doctor, too. He ain't really cute and he ain't great. He don't even know how to operate. He came up to me with some crabbish rap. But let me tell you something, don't you know it was whack? So when he came up to me, I told him to step back. He said, you call yourself an MC? I said, this is true. He said, explain to me really what MCs must do. I said, listen very close, because I don't say this every day. My name is Roxanne, and they call me Shante. But every time that I say a rhyme, I just a like a disser. It is something your MC can't miss. Her. So can't go if you think it's cute, you think it's all right. That's why you said it in a language so you wouldn't have to bite. You started talking pig Latin, didn't make no sense. You thought you was cute. Yeah, you thought you was a prince You're walking down the block You're the one you're gonna clock And everybody knows that you're all on my yacht I'm just a devastating, always rocking Always have the flag that's locking Everybody knows it's me, the R-O-X-A-N-N-E Everyone knows I am fresher Any category better Every time I start to write Everyone is just a bite Every time I do it, yeah, you know it is a meal Rocking on a beat, as you can see So the UTFO crew, you know what you do Let me tell you one for me And then I'll tell you one for you Every time you say a rhyme I'm just a like a this one It ain't nothing that I don't wanna miss. Up. And if you think it right and I'm biting your beat, well then you just better know and listen to me. Because my name is Roxana and I came to say I rock it to the beater and I do it this way. I'm conceited, never beat it, never heard of defeated. I rock it to the beater and you know it is a mia, the R O X A N N E. And if you wanna play a little game for me, let me show you what you can do, baby. Cause with a twist of my cheek and a twist of my wrist, I have all the guys dropping down like this. Yeah, I am fly. That I must admit, but everybody knows I don't go for it. So if you're trying to be cute and you're trying to be fine, you need to cut it out because it's all in your mind. Trying to be like me, yeah, it is very hard. You think you are God, but you do, Elard. Trying to be cute and you're trying to be fine. Don't you know you wish you could be my guy so I could take you home, make you relax. And everybody knows that you're out there trying to tax. Like porn on a car, you're always trying to rob. You need to be out there looking for a job. Yeah, you're trying to be and talk about Roxanne. But let me let you know, you're not a real man. Cause the Roxanne needs a man. And yes, someone fresh to always dress. Someone, yeah, who will never fess. And then I'll say, yeah, forget the rest. You gotta be cute and you're trying to be fly. But all you wanna be is Roxanne's guy. Because I turned you down without a frown. Embarrassed you in front of your friends. Made you look like a clown. And all you do is get real mad. And you talk about me and make me look bad. And everybody knows how the story goes. There's no ifs, no ands, no buts or suppose. No coke up your nose, no dope in your veins. And then it won't cause no kind of pain. But yet and still, you're trying to be fly. I asked you a question. I want to know why. Why'd you have to make a record about me? The R-O-X-A-N-N-E. We're here to rock. Rhymes 
like ours could never be stopped. See, it's three of us, and I know we're fresh. Party rockers, non-stoppers, and our names are deaf. See, the J is for just, the other for jamming. The F is for fresh, A-N-D, deaf. Behind the turntables is DJ Train. Mixing and scratching is the name of the game. Now, here's a little something about nosy people. It's not real hard, it's plain and simple, baby D.
Good morning, everyone. This is Bro Diallo, Q4 Radio, broadcasting straight out of the studios of Q4 Radio, AM 1680, TuneIn app, iTunes Radio, and of course, YouTube, Facebook, and DialloKenyatta.com. But you can listen live anywhere in the world at Q4.org. That's Q-U-E and the number 4.org. But if that's what you're doing, uh, I guess you don't need me to tell you. But it's protocol. What do you want from me? This is the Bro Diallo Show. Today is March 2nd in the year of your Lord, 2020. I'm in the city of Chirac, State of Illinois, in the United States of America. Yes, this is Chicago is the sanctuary hypocrisy. Our wonderful mayor, Lori Lightfoot, came out. There was a uh, strong push as some states have done already and cities and locales have changed the name of Columbus Day to Indigenous Peoples Day. I know the Northeast places in uh, Portland, Seattle, white liberal towns, white folks have taken up the initiative to change the day to uh, Indigenous Peoples Day. But Lori Lightfoot came up and said she is adamantly against changing Columbus Day and the Columbus Day Parade and the Columbus Celebration to Indigenous People Day. But I guess Indigenous people are not funding campaigns. Indigenous people are not. And I first, my first suspicion, call me, I'm, I'm bad, I'm stereotyping. But the first thing I thought when Lori came out and made a statement in defense of Columbus Day, because if you live in the city of Chicago, you ever find yourself on the lakeshore, just as you hit Roosevelt and the Lakeshore, the dividing line between the South and North, between white Chicago and black Chicago, there is a huge statue of Cristobal Colon, Christopher Columbus, right there, right on the cusp of the dividing line between North and South, prosperity and poverty, civility and violence, black and white. There is Columbus, and Columbus is looking facing towards the south with his back to the north as though he's looking and keeping an eye on South Chicago, my side of the hood, for, on behalf, and if you go just across the Columbus, you hit the Gold Coast, the wealthiest community in downtown Chicago. So it's symbolic. I mean, and if you also around, I should do a tour, a white pathology tour of Chicago. And some of the landmarks where there have been lynchings, where there are monuments to the death and slaughter of the Native Americans and the triumph of the European unsettlers of the year. I don't like the term settlers. I'm going to start saying invaders. They didn't come and settle. They were disruptors, European disruptors. But, you know, they control language. They control minds and therefore they control behinds. But anyway, there are monuments. I took my wife to see a few years back. She was born and raised in Chicago, and she'd never seen this. And I showed her this, this relief, this fresco relief, this carving that is like about 20 feet tall of the savage Indians facing down the noble white invaders. And it, and, and it shows the, the triumph of the noble white invaders over to tame this land and to, to tame the, the savage people of this land. And it's right there in plain sight, and the huge... Uh, statue of Cristobal Colon 
So there are so many historical sites in this city that are uh, really a testament to racism and white domination. So anyway, Lori Lightfoot, the mayor, the first female, the first lesbian, and the second black mayor of this most segregated city, this most unjust, this most neoliberal capitalist city. So anyway, first thing I thought, being the horrible person that I am, I'm thinking, is her wife Italian? She's married to this very large white woman. So I'm like, maybe her wife is Italian. And if her wife is Italian, maybe y'all could cut her some slack for insisting on celebrating Columbus Day and not calling it Indigenous People Day, which is a symbolic effort because the Native Americans are still under a campaign of genocide. And there's this rhetoric about all the Native Americans, they're good now because they got casinos. When their poverty rate, their incarceration rate, their mortality rate, alcoholism, uh, drug abuse, rape, all of the stats. And what they do is because Native Americans are considered citizens, they're sovereign, they're a sovereign nation within a nation. So a lot of times to look up just how bad the Native American population is doing, you have to go to a whole new data set. The CDC and the regular data sets just have black, white, non-white, Hispanic, and then they play games with Hispanics because Hispanic, Latino, that's not a race. You can be black, you can be white, you can be Asian. There are South American uh, countries that have had Japanese prime ministers who speak Spanish, born and raised in Latin America. Latin American is no more a race than American is a race. But they play games. And you know why they play games? Because they need to artificially inflate the numbers of white people, who white people are and who white people ain't. And they need to dilute the numbers because this is a democracy. And as Claude Anderson said, winner take all. Majority is the winner and the winner take all in capitalism. But I digress. Anyway, that's what I thought. I thought she was like, listen, I ain't going to let y'all liberals, y'all hippies, y'all social justice warriors disrupt my bedroom and have me because you know, uh, Italian-Americans, they take uh, Cristobal Colon very personal. But even if you read The Columbus Conspiracy, which is a very interesting book, it's kind of like a alternative history, but The Columbus Conspiracy, and which was written by uh, Bradley, the same man who wrote uh, the uh, Iceman's Inheritance in the intro, a very good intro. The intro is better than the book written by Dr. John Henry Clark. We find that Columbus may not have been of Italian heritage. He may not even have been of Spanish heritage that there are some who speculate he could have been of uh, Jewish heritage. And there's another book called An Empire of Their Own, which talks about because of the persecution of Jews throughout Europe, there are many people of Jewish lineage, Sephardic Jews and Ashkenazims who hid their heritage, who pretended to be Christian during the day and Christian in public and they were Jewish in private so that they could have certain opportunities because there were certain discriminatory laws saying the Jews couldn't own land or work the land because they killed the non, the fictional character Jesus in a fictional past that never happened. You know, 
People are complex. Make believe. The land of make believe is, is very has very real world impact. But anyway, I continue to digress. So her but I don't think because I looked it up and her name is actually Swedish, actually Nordic, which makes sense because this woman is like eight foot tall and a lot of the Swedes, the Nordic people, Newfoundlers and Newfoundland Newfoundland and all those white folks. It's very tall. And and you know, Lori's just a short lady. So that wasn't it. I don't think that's it. So now I'm thinking that they are some very, very powerful. And I hate to be stereotypical, organized criminals of Italian heritage operating in this city. And they take it very personal. Maybe I can encourage the Italian-American community to read the Columbus Conspiracy. And maybe y'all fighting for somebody who didn't even come from where y'all come from. And in fact, as Dr. John Henry Clark was so fond of saying, there was so much dirt, so much evil and wickedness committed by the man by the name of Christopher Columbus, Cristobal Colon. He had very many names, like many criminals did and do, have a lot of aliases. But Dr. Clark said, and he and Bradley's research, that they found so much dirt on Cristobal Colon that they feel that there are more than one individual that he, that Christopher Columbus is actually an amalgam of several criminal, genocidal rapists. Kind of like Shakespeare. There was a rumor going around that, that Shakespeare was actually not an individual, but a group of writers who would compile their work together. So, you know, that's, that's the wonderful thing about history. It's like a puzzle that you put together, you get data and information and artifacts, and you try to put it together in a coherent narrative, so on and so forth. But Chicago will, for as long as little Lori Lightfoot is in office, will continue to celebrate Columbus Day in utter disregard for Native Americans, in utter disrespect and disregard for Africans and people of Native heritage, and most people of Latin America have Native and African heritage. And what's really, if you notice, I start off the the show saying the the uh, sanctuary hypocrisy because still on the books officially, Chicago is a sanctuary city, a city of gross inequities, gross injustice. But our politicians and our leaders and our elites go to the world on the national and global stage and say that this is a sanctuary city. If you can get here, we will protect you. Even our corrupt congressman who endorses Michael Bloomberg, Bobby Rush said, any refugees or immigrants that make it to Chicago can come to his office, his official offices, and he will roll out sleeping bags and cots and turn on his coffee maker and provide you with a warm, cozy place to sleep at night and a safe place where you will be safe from the authorities. You will be safe from persecution. You will be safe from deportation. And as I dwell, I organize, I work in this city every day, and I don't see our politicians and our civic leaders providing that for the people who are already here. I can't drive you, help me, Come to Chicago and drive under a bridge and show me where you don't find people sleeping under it. 
Oh, I know where you can go. Again, if you go past that Columbus statue on Roosevelt and, and, and the Lakeshore and you head north, you won't find people sleeping under the bridge. Unless you get a time machine and you go back two to three years where there were people on the north side sleeping on the bridge and those wealthy, affluent, liberal white people, Democratic whites, told the police to get those poor people from under the bridge and drive them back south of the Columbus statue. So I guess you can find places where people were forcefully removed. But this is the sanctuary city. So I say it's sanctuary hypocrisy. And I would tell the refugees and immigrants, because again, I am a oppressed black man who holds a U.S. citizenship. And I'll be goddamned before I get mad about somebody trespassing on the plantation. Black people who are anti-immigration, who want to protect the territorial integrity of the United States, y'all look stupid. Y'all look stupid. And I know y'all believe, and I keep telling y'all with this jobs, took our jobs, nobody takes jobs. Jobs are given (laughs) by the owner, by the elites. Jobs are not taken. No black man has ever shown up at a work site and found a, a wealthy white man weeping into his palms of his hands. Oh, say, what's the matter, boss? Well, I had this job for you. It was all I kept it warm. I had it packaged in a bowl to give you. But a Mexican came and took it. You know, that's not how jobs work. I mean, like whenever people tend to understand I've been black all my life and I know black people and I've seen black people struggle and I'm black people like yeah, like I I have and black people I know have struggled with employment and economic security our entire lives. And we tend to understand how the job market works. But when it comes to immigration, y'all lose any understanding of how jobs work. And then it goes from trying, I'm trying to get a job. You never hear people say I'm trying to take a job. Nobody takes jobs. But when it comes to immigrants and right wing rhetoric, because they want to have us bang on refugees and have us bang on desperate immigrants and don't even understand the dynamics and play these two groups off of each other. You know. But I digress how we get there anyway, it's just hypocritical, the same city that's providing sanctuary. For desperate refugees. Is going to militantly defend the man that set all this, all these atrocities in motion. So Lori Lightfoot. So you might want to give her a call, give her a shout. If there's something that matters to you, don't really. And I mean, but there's revenues. There's a, uh, like I said, there are a lot of very powerful ethnic groups, white ethnic groups in this city. Ukrainian, Irish. You can go. I can take y'all to Greek town. I can take y'all to the Irish Cultural Center, and Italians. Jewish, a lot of, and, and uh, go back to the archives and find my show on the myth of white unity. You know, whites are, no, are not a monolith either, but we, we are not into to, to, to really playing politics. You know, we think politics is voting, and that's the end of it. Anyway, moving on. Oh, I didn't tell you what, what I was bumping this morning. All female MC, some of my favorite old school tracks. We started off with MC Light, Paper Thin. Uh, oh, classic track. Man, I love that. And then Roxanne Shantae, 
Roxanne's Revenge, J.J. Fad, Supersonic, and Choice, The Payback. And I think The Payback is one of the most underrated tracks, diss tracks, in the history of hip-hop. And I know now, Willie D, Too Short, Willie D and the Ghetto Boys, Too Short, N.W.A., <laughs> Niggas with Activators, you call them. <laughs> I know they ain't around now, but back in 1990, when this sister dropped this track, we didn't hear from her after that because she went after the biggest misogynist in the industry. With, with Mad Finesse, yo. And I still will shout out Choice. It, I think Choice has not been given her place in hip-hop history or in the history of battle rap. And, and none of them cats were able to really come back at her. And these were dudes that out here. Like she mentioned the songs. Ball Head Ho by Willie D. Gotta Let a Ho Be a Ho. Ice Cube, I Ain't the One. These guys had entire tracks too short I, I don't I, in too short's entire library these were groups that were making millions of dollars and touring the planet disrespecting black women and a lot of female MCs came up under like yo-yo yo-yo had which who was produced discovered by ice cube at a swap meet now I used to believe this kind of stuff ice cube was in the hood at a swap meet with the lynch mob gangstering it up buying some of that gold on the roll at the swap meet. And then Yo-Yo came up and freestyled, and he signed her right there on the spot. Now, I used to believe those kind of stories, those rags-to-riches stories, discovery stories, because I was a dumb kid. I was 12, 14 at that time. But now I suspect it was some boardroom type of negotiation. It was not as gangster. I don't think that Ice Cube is a gangster anymore. And I don't believe that he was discovering artists on the Crenshaw swap meet. I don't believe it. But back then, I believed in, in, in everything from God to gangster rap. <laughs> but anyway, these artists had female MCs come up under them. J.J. Fad and these other groups that were brought up by gangster rappers who were disrespecting women. And the women, a lot of times in their music, even when they were assertive, they wouldn't even speak to the misogyny of the artist, the black gangster rap artist, because those same artists were the ones financing or endorsing or helping to advance their careers. So you'll notice if you go back to the 90s, especially the early 90s, you will hear everybody, Little Kim, all these women assert how powerful and strong they are, but they would never directly call out the, the rappers who were disrespecting. They, it was ominous. So you would find rappers like these hoes, these tricks, these bitches, these sluts. And the black women will be like, yeah, you know, can't no man play me, blah, blah, blah. But they would never, like, call these guys out. So Choice was one of the few female MCs like career or no career. You know, you can't have literally thousands of songs. I've got these songs in blaze. You ever want to catch me on the street and I can spit any of these disrespectful woman-hating songs. You know, and that's why you and I going to get me to weep. And it really just, it's just, it blows my mind that Snoop Dogg and Ice Cube and 50 Cents, I don't know what you heard about me, Mama P-I-M-P, can start to 
talk about respect and attacking uh, Gail and Oprah for con- for attacking wealthy black men. They don't care. Uh, Gail and Oprah would still be copacetic if they were still attacking poor and working class black men. But other rich men, rich Negroes really think they're exempt. They really think they can buy their way out of blackness, buy their way out of oppression. They really think that having those big bank accounts makes them honorary Aryans and that they should not be subjected. But anyway, let me uh, MC Light, Roxanne, Shantae, JJ Fat, and Choice, some old school icons. Moving on. That's what I, I started playing this morning. Nice tunes. Anyway, um, Haiti. Just two days ago, they had... Now, there was an article that said that um, the Haitian police were shooting at and had a shootout, a six-hour-long confrontation with with casualties, civilian and non-civilian casualties, where the Haitian military was fighting with the Haitian police. So, Haitian Haiti is in the midst of a civil conflict, internal conflict. But then, I remember the same white people that just told me that Haitian police were fighting in an armed confrontation with the Haitian military. I remember that the white man, Bill Clinton, came to Haiti and dissolved the military and told Haiti, you don't need a military, white daddy will protect you. So I, I and so when I saw that headline, I'm like, wait a minute. The Haitian military was dissolved by your beloved Clinton in 1995. Because he said that the military was corrupt and that the U.S., that Haiti didn't need a military because the U.S. would bring Haiti under its sphere of protection. So I'm like, how can something that doesn't exist the Haitian army, the Haitian military, fight the police force. So as I read more into it, I find that the Haiti has a regional local police force like we do here, Chicago PT, the police of Port-au-Prince, but now they have a national police force that is funded, armed, and trained by the United States. So when they were saying that the Haitian army was in a shootout with the Haitian police, what they were actually saying is that the Haitian proxy army the haitian u.s forces in haiti was shooting and killing the 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 civil servants of haiti that the united states that is not the haitian army those are men maybe of haitian descent many of them are we already know that there are mercenaries on the ground in haiti those were u.s paid actors who were trained funded and armed by united states and giving its orders from the u.s state department or whatever cia agent is on the ground there to attack the civilian infrastructure of Haiti. It is known that the police sided with the so-called protesters, and I'm waiting for them to come with the word terrorism. By the time they start talking about terrorism in Haiti, then you know U.S. is going to have direct engagement. Right now, there are advisors. Now, right now, Haiti is a proxy war. Haitians are not fighting Haitians in this current conflict. Haitians are fighting colonial forces and neo-colonial agents, black Uncle Toms and sellouts versus black people who want their national sovereignty. And these people aren't even revolutionary. Even conservative Haitians, liberal Haitians, the Lava Laws Party, 
They, there is a faction in Haiti that said we're sick of foreign invaders who come to Haiti. There have been millions of dollars raised in Haiti, billions of dollars raised for Haiti after the earthquake and for the ongoing conflict. Even Venezuela, the Bolivarian Revolution made a commitment to fund revolutions all over the world, so it wasn't good enough for Hugo Chavez and the Bolivarian freedom fighters to liberate and empower the poor people of Venezuela. They took those oil funds and spread them around the Caribbean and, the, and Latin and Central America. So Haiti made a deal for billions of dollars and joined this fund called the Petro Caribe Fund, which would give energy and funding for development, independent development outside of the to 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 circumvent the IMF and the World Bank and vulture capitalists like these black people, Jay-Z, Puff Daddy, all these rap moguls. And y'all see them making money off of selling toxic alcohol, cheap alcohol. I was reading an article a few years ago that that Jay-Z's Armadale Vodka or no, no, who was it? Ace of Spades. Who, who's behind Ace of Spades? I think it was Rockefeller or Jay-Z. Or was it Puff? No, I think it was Jay-Z. They did that Ace of Spades where they were selling that stuff for $1,200 a bottle and it costs less than $13 to manufacture. That goes from growing, harvesting, processing, bottling, packaging, manufact uh, and distribution and advertisement. $13 per bottle for all of that. And they were selling it for $1,200. Three, four. If you bought it in a club, it was twelve hundred. I think if you bought it off the shelf, it was like a hundred or so. In Armandale, Chirac, all of these cheap. And even if you, I don't drink, so I can't tell you whether it's good or not. I have to go by word of mouth. So when I say these disgusting uh, hip hop endorsed alcohols, I, I don't listen to me on that because I don't know if it tastes good or not. But I know people weren't buying it because of the taste. They wanted to pop bottles. It seems like every time I stopped going to the club. Because every time I go to the club, it wasn't even people organizing. It's like people were in this desperate attempt to recreate a rap video. People not even being themselves. They wearing what they saw in the rap video and they dancing. And, they, and it's like, man, this is just full life imitating art. If you could call that art. But anyway. These rappers who make money off of selling you overpriced hoodies, Rockerware, Sean John. These rappers that make money selling you degenerate anti-social rap music, encouraging all of the things that are deteriorating our community, money, clothes, and hoes. They, when they get that the bag, when they get that money, there are, there, there are two steps to wealth. Securing the money and then sustaining the money. And money depreciates. We're in a fiat currency economy. So in long story short, these people we are seeing as role models, these wealthy rap moguls, they are investing in everything from Haitian coup d'etats to African resource extraction. Their investment portfolio. They go and sit. They, they post pictures on their social media of them sitting with people like Warren Buffett. And, and there's a picture of... of uh, Jay-Z with Bloomberg. They get in here with the white boys 
and they do the same thing. It, you can't, capitalism needs empire. And empire is a byproduct of capitalism. But I digress. Haiti, whom they love to say in the Western media, the poorest country in the Western hemisphere. Poorest country in the Western hemisphere. But when white folks controlled Haiti, before the Haitians rose up, it was the wealthiest colony. If you've ever been to France, you've ever been to Europe. My son last summer went to Europe to visit with some, some relatives who, have, who live there and work there. And you will see everything there was paid for by African soil, blood, sweat, atrocities. Same thing in Latin America and the Caribbean. But Haitian went from being the wealthiest, most prosperous colony to being the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere. And white people were going to keep Haiti poor no matter what, because Haiti is the global symbol of defiance. This is psychological warfare. Every time you hear them say Haiti, the, the, the dysfunction in Haiti. The, the, the turmoil in Haiti, the poverty in Haiti. That is a psychological slight against the entire African diaspora. Haiti is the heart of the African diaspora and African resistance. But I digress. Haiti is suffering from food insecurity. And now it's to the point where we don't even know where we can send funds or support. I can't even recommend. Billions of dollars have gone to Haiti. The Bill Clinton Foundation is there. The United Nations and UNICEF, all these agencies are there and they still have food insecurity, highest level of food insecurity in the world. And now Haiti is being ravaged by lack of rainfall uh, because of climate change. It used to be one of the most agriculturally abundant landscapes and now it is a brown ravaged landscape. You know, one in three Haitians out of 3.7 million Haitians, one in three Haitians are food insecure on the brink of starvation. Highest again. And not to even mention, Haiti is recovering from, and this is what the people are fighting for. They're fighting because they don't have food. They're not fighting for bins and Lexus and, 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 and to live. You know, even when, when the, the most recent popular leader of Haiti, who was overthrown by Bill Clinton, uh, Aristide he said my mission as president of Haiti is to bring the people up to poverty He that was his campaign promise and he won by a landslide because he promised to bring the people up to poverty because that's how much despair that is there in Haiti and he was overthrown now we got this Moise guy who stole, embezzled millions of dollars. And Haitian dictators, going all the way back to Papa Doc and Baby Doc, they rule the country on behalf of, of the Europeans, of the Americans, of corporations. And once they retire, they take all the money they stole, all the bribes, and they go live on the French Riviera. And I think right now the current president, who is corrupt, Uncle Tom, sellout, will do the same thing. They want him out. They want him to return the funding. 
and he's holding strong. So the people are have ri- risen up, have taken to the streets. Many factions within the, the police force have joined with the people. And that's what happened. That's what brought down, you know, the, the Berlin Wall. The, that's what brought down the, the communist regime. When the police, the armed forces, sided with the people. The people have been fighting for decades. But when the police refused to shoot the people and turn the guns on the, on the bureaucrats, it was over. But the problem is, in Haiti, they have a U.S.-funded force that... Um, the United States State Department trains, arms, and directs from Washington, D.C. because they dissolved the Haitian military. And now they're talking about the Haitian army. Whenever you hear in the media, they talk about the Haitian army or the Haitian National Police. They are not talking about people who represent Haiti, who serve the Haitian people. Those are people who are armed and funded by the U.S. government. They should be saying the U.S. proxy forces or the U.S. forces in Haiti, but that don't sound good. It sounds better to pretend like the Haitians just fighting, killing each other, and the white man will swoop in and and, and bring order to Haiti when the white man is the one who swooped in and brought disruption to Haiti. And if you know of some ways to support Haiti without going through the U.N., without going through the U.S. State Department, people on the ground, please reach out to me so I can let the people know. I know a sister who was a nurse um, during after the earthquake. She was going back. She was a Haitian nurse in New York, and she was going back and forth to Haiti directly, bypassing all these agencies and charities and taking resources directly to the people. I was a part of uh, during the Ebola outbreak with Basani, where you could send resources directly to the people on the ground without going through these charities and agencies. Because I don't know of one that I trust. But if you know, tell me. I've been looking. I haven't found a source. The UN literally has a blockade in Haiti. And we're not even going to talk about the numerous sex crimes and sex trafficking. Pedophiles from the UN and U.S. State Department have descended on Haiti. They did an interview of this girl. It was so hard to read. Had been raped over by more than 50 different UN agents and, and, and peacekeepers. And the going rate to buy a child for for sex with a child under U.N. occupation was 75 cents. This is why Haitian people are burning, setting up burning barriers in the streets and shooting at government officials. This is why the U.S., the the police force of the Haitian people is shooting at the so-called national police. While the police are in shooting wars, these kind of atrocities, starvation, rape and pedophiles and, 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 and remember... They brought like Sri Lankan and Bangladeshi uh, UN troops there and they brought uh, cholera and other communicable, communicable diseases that didn't exist in Haiti. And I know some of you ADOS MFers like, well, you only think that black America is the only population of black people you should be loyal to. But let me remind you I'm not even going to tell you because you obviously don't care about what Haitian revolution meant to black emancipation. And you also don't understand that what befalls an African anywhere is a threat to Africans everywhere. Dr. King saw it half a century ago and you with the Internet and understand don't understand how these cascading atrocities. 
are a global phenomenon. The fate of Africans of the diaspora has never been detached from the fate of Africans of the continent or anywhere else. When they get decolonization, we get emancipation. When they fall under neocolonialism, we fall under the new Jim Crow. The, the white man has never saw borders as an impediment to his oppression. And what he can get away with Haiti, he's going to bring to our communities in the U.S. And what he can bring to our communities in the U.S., he's going to take to Africa. So it's no such thing as regional, national, localized freedom, empowerment, security. Our oppression is globalized, therefore our uh, allegiances and resistance must be. And let's talk for a second about the hypocrisy of Donald J. Trump, the Republican Party. A report just came out last week. I wanted to talk about it last week. I just kept running out of time. That more than 40% of farm revenues come from welfare. That Trump has given injections. Trump just announced a week ago that he was given $16 billion. Iowa, Kansas. Now, I ain't even going to list the states. Just the, the states with the lowest black population. Those are the states where Trump is just literally dropping money from helicopters. There is a major agricultural bailout that is approaching the scale of the financial system bailout under Obama. And it just like the financial system bailout all went into white hands and white pockets. This agricultural bailout is going to wealthy white farmers. There are only 2.2 million farmers, more than an 80% decrease in, in, in half a century of the number of farms. Farms are consolidating. There was a time where the vast majority, over 70% of the people in the United States work in agriculture. Now it's teetering at 2 to 3%. Farm, farming has been mechanized. Farming has been industrialized. Farming has been co corporatized. So when I say, when I talk about these monies given to farmers, it's, it's a misnomer to say that it's given to farmers. It's not some white dude with a corn husk and a ball cap and overalls. It's not some redneck. When I talk about farmers, the farmers are men in suits in boardrooms sitting in skyscrapers right here where we have the commodities exchange. Less than five miles away from where I'm sitting, that's where the real farmers are. The men who, who run the food industry, they wear tailored suits, not overalls and dungarees. And so when I'm talking about Trump giving money to ag, agricultural industry we're not even talking about family farms a family farm is an endangered species there are some vanity farms like there are some artists and rappers and wealthy people that go out and buy a farm and they hire a few illegals to to, to work the land for them it's a vacation it's it's it's, it's they just playing farmers when we're talking about the food industry these farms are owned by conglomerates, McDonald's, Corp, and their subsidiaries. Because the majority of the food that's grown, the grain and the soy and the corn, is fed to livestock. It's not even consumed by people. And for the amount of 
food you need to feed one meat eater, the amount of input you need to feed one meat eater, you can feed over a dozen vegans. But I, uh, I digress. And y'all want to act like going vegan ain't nothing but a vanity thing. But anyway, let's get back to Trump. Trump just gave these rednecks, these hillbillies, these white Republicans, these uh, uh, don't, that ain't want to tax, don't take no, don't, don't want to pay taxes. Don't want no social welfare. They just got another $16 billion. And they call it trade-related aid. And last year they got $12 billion. And when I say last year, that's, last year was two months ago. Three months ago. So I ain't talking about last March. I'm talking about in the fall of last year. Winter. So that's $28 billion in two years. And they still are putting more and more money in two years, $28 billion in welfare. This is additional funding. That doesn't even count the farm subsidies. This is in addition to all the already pre-existing social welfare to the point where 40% of all the money, revenues, profits coming out of agriculture are coming directly out of the pockets of taxpayer welfare. Imagine if people and these are people with jobs, with with money, with, with property. Can you imagine if you got in addition to your income plus 40 percent and they're not asking or do you make money? They just can you imagine if you got 40 percent of your income came from the government? You didn't have to work for it or do anything. And then white people want to turn around and talk about they don't owe black folks reparations and white people still have the illusion that they worked hard and sacrificed and prayed to God for everything they have. White wealth is a byproduct of welfare, handouts, and set-asides, and affirmative action. All white wealth, all white middle, the white middle class was a byproduct of government intervention. So, and, and so when, even when I say this, like I said, this money is not going to, to, to small, poor farmers. This money is going into food ag. And it's like Ohio and rural Ohio. This money ain't hitting the cities. This money ain't hitting. This is rural white America. And at the same time, this Caucus Mountain Cave Dwelling Devil, this orange faced buffoon, it's just spitting out billions of dollars. Here's 12 billion. Here's 16 billion. And he's not going through Congress. Congress is supposed to control the budget. He's allocating, he's reallocating funds. Congress writes, votes, and passes the budget. And so the Congress has already passed the budget, and what Trump is doing is going into other programs and compiling that money and defunding other programs and giving it away to white people in rural white America. And at that same time, he gave $28 billion in welfare, and under two full years to just white farmers, n no questions asked. He's passed a proposal to cut $213 billion in 10 years, 30% cut from SNAP. The Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, food stamps, free lunch, meals on wheels, 
getting food to, to, to children and elderly and infirm people. And at the same time, he's giving all these billions of dollars away. And ain't nobody saying nothing about it. And at the same time that he's giving billions of dollars away to wealthy farmers and he's cutting hundreds of billions of dollars from public assistance of people who need it. He's turning around and created a one point five trillion dollar budget hole deficits in the government. This is the party of fiscal responsibility in order to give tax cuts to wealthy people. And again, when I'm saying he's given these billions of dollars, no questions asked. He's when I'm talking about farmers. If you want to learn about modern agriculture, one of the best people to follow. A man who committed class treason. Because a lot of these white men that within the system, like John Perkins, they, they were within the system like Chalmers Johnson. And to understand this system, some of the best people to read and, 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 and to get gain ice insights are were farmer or even current racist colonizers, movers and shakers within the systems and institutions of global white domination that for one reason or the other betray their own people, their own movements, and expose. Takes one to know one. Those are some of the best people to get insights from. So there was a man, the mad cowboy they call him, Howard Lyman. He was a billion-dollar farmer. He loves to tell the story about how he, when he wrote his first $1 million check, personal check. And he grew up on a farm and he went to study agriculture and he went from being a farmer to an agribusinessman. And he talks about the subsidies. He talks about the chemicals. He talks about everything. He just tells everything you need to know. Where he was like, I wasn't growing the land. He said, I was an industrialist. I was a manufacturer. I was not a farmer and he made millions of dollars and then he got a tumor on his spine. He got a, a, a tumor and they told him he only had like a 5% chance of, of walking, ever walking again and he could die on the surgery table. And after he came out of that surgery and God re saved, rescued him, whatever, he had an epiphany and he decided he's going to snitch on white folks and advocate for veganism and talk about the meat industry and big agribusiness. And so go read Howard Lyman. If you want to understand how, because I got to push y'all, like, well, the farmers need the farmers. And the farmers are not in the business of feeding people. They're in the business of making profit. You got to understand about capitalist production. Henry Ford said, I'm not in the business of making cars. I'm in the business of making profit. It just so happens the cars, that'll be that thing. And that's why you'll find car companies or have credit card companies and making movies and movie makers or selling papers. And it's just, it's a hustler grinding. What, what are what gangster rappers are pushing to our children? I think I have to say some of this for tomorrow because tomorrow we're going to talk about spiritualism. And I'm also going to talk about the Afghan war. This is Bro Diallo Show, Q4 Radio, AM 1680. You can find me on the TuneIn app and iTunes Radio at Q4. You can listen to me live at Q4.org if you are in the city of Chicago or outside of the range of the city of Chicago radio, the internet across the globe. Also, you can find 
portions of the show broadcast live on YouTube. Subscribe. Give me a thumbs up if 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 uh, you want to encourage this content. Also, I'm back on Facebook. I left Facebook for a while because they kept suspending my account for hate speech. You know, for hate speech. I didn't even know I was doing hate speech. Let me reach out to Zuckerberg and thank him because I didn't know I had so much damn hatred in my heart. So thank you, Zuckerberg, for helping me see the hate within me. Thank you, Facebook algorithm, helping me to do some (laughs) self-examination. So anyway, I stopped broadcasting, but then I started broadcasting on Facebook and I was using one of my wife's old, old phones. I just went in and, you know, we normally take our phones to this place. You donate it and then they they provide, they refurbish the phone and give them. Uh, You can take them to places like uh, You Break, We Fix. And other places take old phones and make them available for, like, young people that don't have them. They can use it for 911 and stuff. So you can donate old phones. But this phone was sitting around, had it, and I fired it up and it worked. So I was using that phone and then... So I don't I can't imagine that somebody stole it because it wasn't worth anything. But. Um, I lost it. But one of my listeners, Brother Phil, uh, said he had a phone and he mailed it to me. And so now we're back on Facebook Live because of Phil. I don't know if he wants me to say his whole name out. But, uh, you know, every day I broadcast on Facebook. We all have to give a shout out to Phil because now I'm back on Facebook until they deem me too hateful to broadcast on their platform. And okay, of course, Patreon, kick in, support helps to sustain. Shout out to all my Patreons. Shout out to all my supporters. Shout out to Brother Chauncey. I've I've ran through all of your uh, peanut butter cups and everything. It's all gone. I'm tapped out my stash. (laughs) My wife is mad at you for feeding my addiction, but what does she know, right? She don't run things. Things run she. Anyway, uh, moving on. Today's show is Bernie Sanders and neoliberalism. And if you listen to Friday's show, we talked about Bernie Sanders and the larger Democratic primary. And I didn't want to title the show Bernie Sanders and, and, and the death of neoliberalism, but that's the appropriate title. But I want you to understand that I'm not suggesting that Bernie Sanders is killing neoliberalism. Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump, ironically, even though they are on opposite sides of the political spectrum, are byproducts of neoliberalism. Without neoliberalism, you wouldn't have a Trump. And without neoliberalism, you wouldn't have had a Bernie. So they are not the ones who cause it, but their presence in the political arena is evidence of the death of neoliberalism. And whether Bernie wins or he loses, whether Trump is reelected or he leaves office, uh, neoliberalism is done. Now, this is a historical cycle that we have seen many times before. This is nothing new. Neoliberalism, it's, it's really wrong to call it neoliberalism. And let's talk about what neoliberalism is. Neoliberalism, and the term liberal is not about gender neutral bathrooms. <laughs> or abortion rights and liberal, that's not political liberal. Neoliberalism is is a modern term for, oh, what they call laissez-faire. 
economics. Laissez-faire economics is essentially reducing the influence and impact of the state on the economy. Removing state influence and control of the economy. And that concept of laissez-faire, of liberal economic liberalism or neo-economic liberalism is so heavily propagandized that you got poor and working class people who have a fundamental visceral, visceral hatred of government regulations, even though their very existence is a byproduct. If not for government regulations, they would not be alive to this day, but they hate government regulation. They hate taxation. I know people who don't earn enough income to pay taxes and they even receive tax refunds. And they they say taxation is theft. You see a lot of black people who hear libertarian ideas and they re- resonate and they really believe that you got poor and working class people that believe that if not for all the government regulation, then they would be free to pursue their economic interest and would emerge as titans of industry. And the only thing that's holding them back is the overregulation and the, and the undue influence of the government on the market and that the market should be free and open for people to engage or disengage as they see fit. And it is a testament the only other form of propaganda that has been more powerful than the neoliberal propaganda, propagandizing of the masses is religious indoctrination. And I think it's an ongoing competition between the economic interest and religious interest because they feed one another. To see who can better distort reality in the minds of the average everyday person. Because when I meet people who support capitalism but are not capitalists and have not received any direct, but that are victims of capitalism, that are human resources, human chattel of capitalism, whose lives on a daily basis are disrupted and threatened by capitalism. Who encouraged capitalism? So, oh, and, and did I mention... I'd like to give a middle finger to the South Carolina voters who voted for Biden. What the hell is wrong with you Southern Negroes voting for racists? Y'all voted for Hillary after she called your children and grandchildren super predators. And now you're voting for this racist segregationist. And I'm not even an integrationist. Y'all Negroes, man, let, let me just tell you something. Shame on you South Carolinian Negroes. Now, there's certain stereotypes about the South and intellect or lack thereof. But I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to get into that. And I've been all over the South. My people come from the South. And thank goodness they got the hell out of the South. My family was part of the Exodusters. Y'all don't talk about that. Y'all love to talk about the Great Migration. Why don't y'all talk about the Exodusters? So I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a descendant of an exoduster, not a great migrator, but that's a whole nother history. Maybe we'll get into it. Y'all love that, those old triumphant black stories. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I just don't see why we celebrate going from a fire pan to the 
to the fire, which is what much of the great migration. And it was not a great migration. We should call it the great expulsion. Y'all playing with these terminologies. You act like a bunch of black folks who love the South and just just in the South, just decided to get up and go up north. They were black people were expelled from the South, were ejected from the South. We didn't migrate. The black people mass exited from the South was a byproduct of, 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 of systematic terror, systematic theft. They stole over a trillion dollars of wealth from black people in our march from the, from the, from the Mason South of the Mason Dixon to the, to the land of the North or the, or the outstretched land to the West. And then you, the, they write these books about, Oh, uh, this need like the book, uh, the, the warmth of other sons that tells the triumphant story of the Negro doctors and Negro ministers and Negro uh, uh, novelists to go into the West or heading to the North for prosperity. When most black people came there starving, barefoot and suffering and came to uh, corporate and industrial exploitation. I don't know why y'all got to try to pretend like things ain't what they was. But I continue to digress. We talking about Negro liberalism the Chicago School of Economics. Neoliberalism is basically, I know there's all these books and all this fancy talk. Neoliberalism is basically a, a, a completely privatized economy with no oversight, regulation, or limitation. That's all it is. Dog eat dog, savage, brutal, unregulated, unplanned economy. And they believe that. A group of massive people all scrambling to extract as much as they can with giving minimal input will somehow create a just and prosperous society. And you got people like Milton Friedman. One time my wife was uh, packed up our kids and, 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 and moved to Chicago and left me behind to to. to we got one of those pods, those things you put on your lawn. So we called one of those. But when we moved from Kansas City to Chicago over a decade ago, we've been here over 10 years now. Yeah. Wow. We've been here over 10 years. But when we packed, she said, I want to go home. I'm like, I don't care. It's all Babylon to me. One part of Babylon is no different, no better than any other part of Babylon. And I know some of y'all going to be like, you just said the South was bad. Now you talk about it's all the same. Yeah. OK. Sue me. You ain't going to get nothing but a used Xbox. That's all I own. I used to say, you, if you sue me, you don't get nothing but an old dog and a used Xbox. Because those are the only assets, only, the only assets I own. But now I don't even have my old dog anymore. Rest in peace, Congo. So sue me. Yeah, I said it. My wife wanted to go, and I said, okay, Babylon is Babylon. You want to move to Chicago? Let's move to Chicago. And then whenever she says that, before she even made the request, she was probably already packed. She had planned. That's how they do. That's how they do us. You know, if a woman comes up to you and says, you know, I was thinking, what if, and she acts like it's a spontaneous idea. Let me tell you something. She planned that. She was already planning for that six months ago. Cunning, I tell you. Cunning. Asada. Queen Nanny. That type of cunning that was killing colonizers is now manipulating everyday brothers. Anyway, what was I talking about? My wife came to me and was like, let's move to Chi-Town. Let's move to Chicago. And she said, fine. And then next thing I know, I woke up and her and the kids were gone. And I'm there in the house and I had to pack up all the furniture. And we had two cats and the dog. I had, she left me there with the dogs and we had a business. 
we had sold our business, but part of the business contract is we had to train the new owners in our business and operations. So I had to, uh, and then there were some items in the business, the new owner purchased other items we took because we were coming here to open up another vegan restaurant. We figured, but that's, I can't get into that, but we had catering things. So I had to, she left me with all that work, but thankfully I got peoples, you know, shout out to uncle Ricky, shout out to uncle Linnell. Well, actually uncle Linnell is my brother, but my sons call him uncle Linnell. And so then for, they call him uncle Linnell all the time. So we started calling, I started calling, I used to just call him Linnell. Now I call him uncle Linnell. Cause whenever I think about him, it's my kids are hey, uncle Linnell. So he's not my uncle, he's my brother, but I, I say Uncle Linnell because that's who the kids know him as. So it's weird. But Uncle Ricky is actually my uncle, my dad's brother. They came and helped me pack and get everything together. But what I'm saying is I didn't have any family. It was a time where I had two kids running around the house and my wife running around the house behind them. And But it was a lot of downtime. It was almost a month I was there or more than a month. You know how time kind of just melts. And I started reading this book called The Lexus and the Olive Tree because I had nothing to do. And I went to Prospero's Books in Westport and I bought Lexus and the Olive Tree. And what I would do is I'd go to the cafe and do the training and then I'd go eat some junk food for dinner that I could never have the pleasure of eating if my wife, if my wife was there. And I'd go drink a green drink so I wouldn't die from lack of nutrients. And I would go to like Muddy's or Starbucks and sit there and read the Lexus and the Olive Tree. And the Lexus and the Olive Tree is basically the Bible of neoliberalism. And it is one of the most obscene books that I've ever read. And not even the good kind of esteem, not the, the nudity and sexual obscenity. I mean, ideological obscenity. Economic obscenity. And this was a book that was supposed to support and advocate for neoliberalism. And the stories that he told in this book were, were maddening. And I'm like, how did this man, because Milton Friedman has to be a, a, a psychopath, as most capitalists. I think you can't be a successful psycho, uh, capitalist without being a psychopath. There's no way you can orient your mind towards accumulation extraction and minimal input and, and, and perpetuate that and to grow and to anticipate that type of relationship. That is a cancer. That's how cancers operate. When you develop a metastatic cancer, cancer are capitalist cells. They extract nutrients and they grow uncontrolled growth that is totally uh, disregards all other bodily functions except for consumption and growth, consumption and growth. That's what cancer cells do. That's all it is. There's no magic to it. When you have cancer, that means you have a cluster of cells that consume um, all the nutrients they can get and they grow unlimited. That's all cancer is. I have people with cancer that don't even know the basic functioning of unregulated growth of cells. That's all cancer is. The, the, in the DNA uh, chain, the coding that regulates growth breaks down. And then it's not content. If you have colon cancer, it's not going to be content to stay in the colon. It's going to want to go to the brain. If you have capitalism in the United States, it has to go to Haiti. It has to go to Ghana. 
it even has to go in the places it can't go. It will encapsulate like sanction encircle, and lock Iran, Cuba, Venezuela. So if you don't accept the, the spread of the cancer, the cancer will encapsulate and try to choke you off. I mean, it's, I mean, it's just crazy. I could just talk about the, how cancer, but that's economic malignancy. So the neoliberal system, many people, what happens is in the past, okay, you had, it, it used to be called laissez-faire and then economic liberalism and now neoliberalism. And what liberalism has done is that it has allowed for every time it has been unleashed on the world, it has allowed for the, the accumulation of all of the wealth and resources and the products of labor at the top in the hands of a few people. And when those people are in a region and they exhaust all the profit, like if if they come to Chicago, they extract all the wealth they can from Chicago and they take so much wealth that we don't repair bridges. We don't fund schools. We can't properly train police and firemen. And even though you look at the skyline, you see all these beautiful skyscrapers. But as you walk on the streets, there's rats and litter. And coyotes running around in the middle of the city, scavenging on corpses of homeless people. And then they say, well, we've, we've raped. We've, we, we're, we've got people living on the margins in Chicago. We're seeing quarterly returns of record returns. The stock market's at an all-time high. And it was like, well, then we go to downstate. Let's go to Springfield. Let's go and consolidate and, 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 and make uh, uh, agriculture profit. And when they sapped everything they could from the cities, they go to the rural areas. And when they're done sapping the rural areas, they want to go overseas. Because it's not enough just to make money where you're at. You got to make money from everywhere. You got to take all that you can from everywhere that you have access to. But when you compile everything at the top and extract everything from the bottom, you have an imbalance. And what comes after an Im- uh, a sustained imbalance? A collapse. And what happens within the collapse? A power vacuum. And what happens in a power vacuum? Conflict, warfare. This is the same stupid-ass cycle from World War I, World War II. And after World War I, they came in and said that World War I was the war to end all wars, and then they got right back to capitalism as usual, and then they had World War II, and so they were like, wait, we have to regulate this. We have to allow the people who make the wealth. Jeff Bezos did not earn $122 billion. You order from Amazon every day. You tell me. I don't, I don't order from Amazon, and whenever I need something, I just go I'm like, uh, I need something, and my wife makes it appear at the door, my fairy god wife. But I, I just don't. I try to avoid Amazon. I'd rather buy from the streets. But anyway, you buy from Amazon every day. Tell me something that you bought that Amazon, that Jeff Bezos manufactured, that he distributed, that he invented. Did he deliver it to your damn door? Did he drive the truck? Does he repair the truck? Did he put gas in the truck? What does Jeff Bezos do in the great monolith, the great monstrous uh, monopoly that that is Amazon, where he should get one hundred and twenty two billion dollars? Right. 
And now you got Amazon Prime, Amazon Streaming. Does he produce the shows? Does he code and, and update the website? What the hell did he do? What did the king do that he should have all the gold and all the wealth and all the authority? Did the king go out and fight on the front lines? No. You know who fought on the front lines? It wasn't even the knights. It was the peasants. He would go to his noblemen, to his lords and dukes and say, send me so many troops. And they would go to the farms and say they wouldn't send their sons. The sons of the noblemen would be the generals and the leaders in the army. But the peasants would fight the wars. The peasants would grow the food. The peasants would would make the bricks, stack the bricks to make the castles. What the blood clot did the king do to have all the wealth and authority? What did Bezos do to earn all the wealth? And did he invent the Internet? Did he invent HTML? Even the things he used to create the website were things produced by who? The people. Who funded the Internet? The public. Who paid for the laying of the cables for the World Wide Web? I know y'all like to think this stuff is wireless. Wireless is an illusion. There are cables all under the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans. There are wires everywhere. There's wires going into your house and then there's one little box in the, in, in, on a bookshelf somewhere or in a closet somewhere between your, 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 your dining room table and your, and your laundry closet. That's the wireless part. That little jump. Everywhere else there's wires. <laughs> and so they give us, oh, it's wireless. Everything is wireless. Nah, there's still wires and there's still men and women who work for, for who ain't going to never see a billion dollars in their entire lifetime. Who sustained this infrastructure. And they talk about the in the past. They said the king had the power and authority. Because he had the divine right of a king. And now we live under a system of neoliberalism. And we should call it what it really is. The divine right of capitalist. But this system never sustains. This is unsustainable. That's why George W. Bush. Barack insane Obama. Yeah. Copyright trademark that. Barack Hussein Obama and now uh, Donald Trump, every single president that since Ronald Reagan has had to do a major bailout of major industries. The corporations from Jeff Bezos to Facebook Zuckerberg, they're all on welfare. The major corporations, these multinational corporations, they're all on welfare. Capitalism has never worked. There is no such thing as a capitalist economy. All economies are socialist. What is socialism? Cooperation and sharing. When you go work for a company, if you went and worked in a company and worked as a capitalist, you would be fired within a week. If you went into the company and says, I'm not going to share, I'm not going to work with my co-workers, I'm going to try to get all the accolades and do all everything only in my own selfish interest. And I'm going to keep everything that I gain and know and understand to myself. I'm not even going to share office supplies. I'm going to go for mass accumulation and then I'm going to try to spread my 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 office and spread out. If you behave like a capitalist in a corporation, you will be fired. You have to cooperate with your coworkers. You have to share information and, 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 and share the burden, share the, the work and spread it around. And all of this cooperation in a corporation goes to the benefit of an individual. That's what it is. Capitalism is nothing more than a leech put on socialism. It is nothing more than a parasite of on socialism. 
There is no such thing as a capitalist system. Look at the largest capitalist economies right now. The United States is the largest economy in the world, and it has some of the highest forms of socialism. Trump giving $28 billion farm subsidies, uh, technology subsidies. Look at how and where the... uh, Look at how and where the uh, industries get their R&D, research and development. What happens is public socialists fund the research. I don't care if it's an MRI machine, State University of New York, the Internet out of uh, DARPA, satellite, radio, television, plasma screens. All this tech came from public funding, public research, pharmaceuticals. Public funding, everything from from insulin to 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 modern vaccines research coming out of public uh, uh, publicly funded laboratories, publicly funded universities and research bodies. All of it. And then you get something like Elon Musk and his wonderful battery. Did he invent the battery? Hell no. He took an existing event invention and innovated it. That's what they mostly do. I tomorrow could take this ink pen and make some minor change to the ink pen, patent it, copyright it, and then anybody who uses it has to pay me as if I did some wonderful thing for humanity. Michael Jordan, say it all the time. You take Michael Jordan's ass who's made a billion dollars off of sweatshop labor and you drop his ass in a Nike factory anywhere in Vietnam, Bangladesh, or China and tell him to walk out with a one shoe. He don't know how to manufacture a damn shoelace, let alone a shoe. What the hell did he do to get a billion dollars of other people? Profit is theft. But the same people stealing our labor, the wealth of our labor, turn around and tell us, oh, it's taxes. The reason you can't do anything is taxes and government regulation. But this system can't last. Because when you accumulate everything at the top and you extract everything from the foundation, from the working people, you have a persistent imbalance and a collapse. And what's happening right now? All over the world, there are right wing governments. So people don't understand. In the prosperous times, people were told by the capitalist that the government is stopping your prosperity. And it's the corporations that bring you everything. It's the corporations that bring you these wonderful Marvel movies, that bring you these beautiful phones, that allow you to work. And it's corporations are your friends, and the government is your enemy. And what the blood clot is the government? The government is me and you. And I know y'all don't like to hear this rhetoric, but what your teacher told you in fifth grade civics is the truth. And that's why they want to depower the government because the government is the only institution in this larger society where the people have the greatest level of direct influence where they can sanction reward or punish politicians so they want people to lose faith in the very source of their power and I'm not saying that American democracy and all, I'm not even talking rhetoric I'm talking about raw facts you are in a better position to 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 influence your local alder person, your your senator, state senator, your your uh, ward, your ward precinct captain, your local mayor. I can walk into my alderman's office right now and they're going to hear whatever I have to say. And if I can get 10 more people to walk in and each of those 10 people can get 10 more people, whatever the hell we want, we're going to get that from that office. You try that in the corporate 
I can't walk into, we got several uh, corporate headquarters here. We got a, a huge Motorola office. We got Boeing, have a huge skyscraper here. All these corporate, I walk into one of those private buildings, I get dragged out before I get my, my can articulate whatever complaint I have. So we don't control the government, but we have a greater chance of taking control of the government and influencing and, and, and intimidating the government than we ever have of any private industry. And that's why everywhere you look, the media is telling you the private sector is where it's at. Forget about the government. The government's corrupt. The government's incompetent. And every time they say the government, they're talking about the people. And I'm not saying that the government represents the people, but what I'm telling you, if we got organized, we could force the government and all the time, every time the people have gotten anything, whether it's the end to the, uh, where the eight hour work day, you know, that's a government reform. You know how the people got an eight hour work day by lobbying the government and fighting the private interest. You know how they got limitations on child labor and a total ban on child labor in the United States. You know how we got environmental standards. You know how you got, uh, uh, um, regulation is saying if you're working at a work site, your employer has to provide you with respirators, hard hats, glove and other protective gear. And if you're if you buy it yourself, if you got to buy your own steel toe boots and buy your own protective reflective vest, then you can go on your tax return and write it out. And the government will compensate you if your business doesn't provide it for you and you have to buy it yourself and get your own protective equipment. You know where that comes from? If you work in a hospital and you have to wear a radiation dosimeter and you're around nuclear medicine isotopes and you're around x-ray machines and, 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 and uh, flor fluoroscopes and you get this radiation, that's all government. And the government didn't do it because it loves us. The government did it because the people went to the state and there were times where people were dragging their local representative, government representatives out of the, out of the city hall out of the tax office and kick them in the ass. It's happened. So I'm not talking about worshiping, praising, or even loving the government. I'm talking about taking power and exercising power. I'm talking about being intelligent. But anyway, the depth of neoliberalism. This system is unsustainable because psychopaths are capitalists and capitalists are psychopaths. You cannot find uh, the, and this benevolent psychopath, and it just really makes hurts my heart. Somebody came and told me about Oprah's charity and Oprah paying college tuition. And I found out that Oprah's charity had an 87 million endowment and she only give about two to three million dollars in payout to the people by collecting tens of millions of dollars in tax write offs. You don't get to be a billionaire without being a thief, a parasite. I even had an Afrocentric sister I'd known for years since high school positive pro-black African sister who's in the community fighting. She grew up in public housing just like me. I grew up and she grew up in the, on, uh, the projects on the north side. I grew up in the projects on the south side. And even going to her hood, I was in trouble. It scared somebody might figure out I'm from the village. But anyway, pro-black, positive, raised her children, Afrocentric sister. And I have to debate with this sister because she's telling me that billionaires worked hard for their money and it's wrong to take the money from billionaires. And I've never heard anybody say working people work hard for their money. It's wrong for the owner. It's wrong for the boss. It's wrong for the manager to take their money. Let me tell you, money is taken from you without your consent all the time. And it is arbitrary. 
how much money you get to take home versus how much money you got to leave on the table for the government or that the business can rightfully extract from you. If you come into work and you generate $10,000 worth of value and your, your employer can pay you within that $10,000 in the 24-hour period, can pay you $15 an hour, the government, the federal minimum wage, I think, is $7. The city minimum wage, I think, is 10 15 something like that. So it, it, none of this is written in stone. But I digress. Neoliberalism is collapsing. And because, and and something we should celebrate, yay, neoliberalism is collapsing. It is. Laissez-faire. It's collapsing. But the problem is, when something collapses, when something is imbalanced, as the neoliberal global economy collapses, it could fall to the left or fall to the right, which means the people can take control and begin to get their share of the resources, or... Here's the real, here's the rub. As neoliberalism collapse, because of the hard work of the neoliberals of the parasitic capitalist to indoctrinate the masses of the people, all the problems that people are suffering from as a result of capitalism, they are blaming on the government and on immigrants and on minorities and on poor people. So now that that the collapse is coming, people are lining up behind and allying with the capitalists, blaming everybody but the capitalist. So in the United States, as white people suffer from everything from a, a collapse in agriculture, a collapse in manufacturing, a collapse in their standing, when they're suffering from methadone and opioid crisis, They rally behind a fascist who promises not to move them forward, but take them to a great past to return them to a past that never existed. They go fascist. The Germans did it. Nazis were born out of economic insecurity. All these right wing Augusta Pinochet. In Latin American dictators. Uh, let's just run right now. Right wing governments. The people have voted in right wing governments to rescue them from what they believe is an immigrant crisis, housing crisis, employment crisis, an existential identity crisis. They think that the very people who caused this is going to rescue them from it. So in Switzerland, Austria, Finland, Hungary, Norway, France, Denmark, Netherlands, Belgium, Bulgaria, Colombia, Brazil, the United States, Argentina, India, the Philippines. And many I mean, the list goes on. I'm not even going to of nations that are going further and further to the right. Because they felt, well, the liberals, we voted in Barack Obama. We voted in these liberals and things got worse for us. When they think it's a liberal versus conservative, a left versus right, when it's really a capitalist versus the people. But nobody's identifying that because the capitalists have spent the last century destroying the class consciousness. Now, in the time up until the New Deal, 
the New Deal came about because there was a class consciousness. They hadn't completely obliterated the class consciousness. But in the early 1900s, in the 19-teens, in the 1920s, you had anarcho-syndicalist movement. You had communists, very strong and legitimate communist movements throughout the world. And in the United States, the U.S. Communist Party was a legitimate political and social cultural force. And so people understood that you cannot serve the interests of Jeff Bezos and the interests of working people at the same time because we are diametrically opposed. And the wealthy people were not worshipped. The first wealthy person that really mastered PR was Rockefeller. And he would walk the streets as a, as a feeble man giving out pennies and, and, and trinkets and, and, and little candies, hard rock candies to children. He was one of the first PR because before... Wealthy people were like, screw the masses. Let them eat cake. But way back in the early 1900s, they figured, why not let the poor people believe that capitalists work for them? Before, there was no illusion. So they said, you know, you get a 401c3. We'll have, buy some stock. And you got people sitting there with their little 401ks they got wiped out in 2008 and still haven't recovered. Saying, oh, oh, the stock market got, and every day, you know it's how they report the Dow Jones average every day. If you're in the United States, it doesn't matter. You Even if you don't watch TV or listen to the radio, if you walk the streets on billboards everywhere, they're constantly telling you about the Dow Jones average, the NASDAQ, the NASDAQ, the Nikkei. They're constantly drilling that. Where's the stock market today? Where's the, I know people that don't can't even spell stock. That know where the stock market. The stock market is up. The stock market is down. The stock market is. It used to be the rhetoric. There was Wall Street and Main Street, and they knew that the the people, the masses of the people, care about the Main Street economics, mom and pop, you know, pedestrian issues, and Wall Street was something that was off our radar of the masses of the people. If you didn't work in commodities and stocks and options, if you weren't in that industry, it was not relevant to you. Because that was a casino. That's where you go to gamble with money. But if you didn't have disposable incomes, you didn't mess with the stock market. But then they integrated the stock market with the real world economy and everything becomes a commodified. Buy, sell, or trade. Everything has to be for maximum extraction. It wasn't enough to work and make a living. You had to work and make a profit. You had to work and expand. You had to work and accumulate, accumulate, and accumulate. You had to become a, a cancer. And then these poor and working class people who are benign tumors. I call y'all benign tumors. Because y'all believe y'all capitalists. Y'all have the values of the capitalists, but you don't have the resources to do the kind of damage that the capitalists do. And then I got the malignant tumors, the bezosis that y'all think y'all can be. In order for extraction, the capitalists have pushed uh, austerity, saying that poor and working class people have to do more with less. They pushed this false idea of a meritocracy, saying that every rich person got there through hard work and dedication and they're smarter than you. Not that they're more willing and more tapped into the ability. The only way to get rich, the only way to get wealthy is to exploit the labor of other people. You can't work to make yourself rich. Other people have to work to make you rich. You can only work to sustain yourself. 
So every multimillionaire, every billionaire, nobody's done a billion dollars worth of work on this entire planet. No one. I struggle to see. I struggle to see how people have done a million dollars worth of work. So, neoliberalism is dying because it is parasite. And if you know anything about parasites, they kill the host. And so we who are the engines of productions, we who produce without owning the means of production, we who produce without owning the means of production have been tapped out. And many people are lashing out because they feel psychological pain and despair and physical hardship are now appealing to the very people that put us in this position to take us out. They're voting for right-wing fascists. And fascism is always come to rescue capitalism. So what we have to do is promote leftism, progressivism, socialism, and revolution. And we'll get into more details about the solutions and, and, and where we're going and how we can avoid some of the worst fates of uh, capitalism. But anyway, this is Bro Diallo Show, Q4 Radio, AM 1680. I will see y'all Wednesday. We will be talking about spirituality, which is religion for lazy people. Because, um, well, there's some things I just want to share about spiritualities, and we will start to talk about some real solutions what we can do to save ourselves from the ravages of uh of uh capitalism and neoliberalism bro diallo show q4 radio acm1680 i will see y'all sunday no wednesday but i got something coming up sunday too so stay tuned in peace